Today's guest is Kelly Waters, CEO of 101 Ways. And if you'd like to meet and hear him in person, you have an opportunity on the 20th of September 2018 in Amsterdam. He will be speaking at agileamsterdam.nl. For the Agile community, www.agile.fm. Welcome to another episode of Agile FM, and I have a UK resident, Kelly Waters, uh, with me from 101 Ways, 101ways.com. And uh, Kelly can be reached on uh, Twitter. His handle is Kelly underscore. Waters. Uh, Kelly has uh, won uh, several awards, for example, Most Valuable Agile Player in 2010 in the UK, 2016, Most Popular Online Contributor in the Agile Community. He wrote a book in 2012, uh, probably wrote it before, but published in 2012. It's called All About Agile. It's uh, very much related to the uh, blog All About Agile. He uh, actively worked and still working on that blog. But before we get started uh, talking about um, with Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Good to be here. Yeah, Kelly, every time we speak uh, and when I go to your website at uh, 101 Ways, uh, you're wearing black t-shirts. You're a black t-shirt kind of guy, just like me. <laughs> yeah, I keep it simple. <laughs> I think that's our motto in yeah. Ireland work as well. Keep things simple, <laughs> nice well, and easy. That's easy, right? So, um, so black T-shirt. The hundred ways of doing things, hundred ways of writing, hundred days of, and so forth. Dot dot dot. You replace it. Your company is hundred and one ways. Is that hundred and first way of doing things? Is that related to agile? Yeah, it is really because um, what I noticed really in in my career and, and working with lots of different teams is there really are a hundred and one ways of doing everything, and usually there's no right or wrong way. You know, there's a, there's different ways that are good for different groups of people at different times depending on their own setting. And so um, when naming the company, I thought that was a good name because it reflects really my ethos that I don't really buy into one methodology or one framework or one right way mm -hmm. and I much like the you know the true sense of agility where you you kind of adjust and adapt to the situation you find yourself in and, and, and so the company ethos is really all about about that mm -hmm. well you've been in the agile community for a long long time even though you wrote your uh, or published your book in 2012 you've been around for uh, much, much longer as a technical lead, as a project manager, and now um, with with the company, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are building things from start to finish, almost like an agency approach, including uh, leadership. Um, why why is why is agile so important for you from 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 the the work you guys are doing? Um. Well, we're a product-focused technology consultancy, so most of what we do is help our clients to deliver digital products, and we do that on-site by building teams and working together with their people. And, of course, with digital products, it's a bit like the company name again. There's no um, obvious right way. It's very hard to know what users really want. It's very hard to ascertain that from research because what people say and what people do are often different. And so... 
for us, building digital products is about incrementally delivering something to market and, and incrementally getting user feedback and assessing the data and understanding what's working and what isn't and, and through that discovering what's the right product. Um, and that's been my my career for, for many years, uh, like to nearly well, over decades actually, is building products um, with technology that um, really benefit from the incremental nature of Agile and the ability to um, incrementally discover the product that works best for the users and therefore um, mm-hmm. usually does the best commercially too. So um, for me, it was always very fitting when I discovered Agile. It was a revelation. It was really like, it was a long time ago now, but it was really like, wow, this is brilliant because when doing product development, we didn't know what this product should be in advance. Um, so our ability to ship frequently and um, and build a product incrementally and, and base the next iterations on what we learned from the last one. It just feels like it fits really, really well with product development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious, are any of your customers um, asking you about Agile or asking, are they interested in the Agile process? My, my guess is yes, yeah. but um, is, is there any, are there any companies out there who basically already at this point say this is a given uh, or are they, is this contractually manifested as like, I want you to do an Agile process for me. Yeah, actually, um, we do Agile transformation work as well as um, building products together with our clients. And we we often do the two together. So we're, we're transforming an organization. We're helping teams learn different ways of working, apply different technical practices as well. And and, and through doing that, deliver a new product. And, mm-hmm. and we are doing um, that as very much part of our brief. So, so clients are asking us, you know, come and help us with Agile as well as deliver something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nearly always part of what we do. I, in terms of where they're coming from, it's much less common now that people are coming from multiple it's in our case we're working in media publishing and e-commerce especially and what we find with our clients is that they're already doing agile um and i, I say that quite specifically doing agile um not necessarily being very agile mm-hmm. they, um they really you know that is a given but they're not necessarily doing it well and they're not necessarily getting all the kind of benefits that they expected from it maybe they still have um, other problems um, organizationally within the teams, the way they work together, getting stuff delivered um, continuously. They have all sorts of problems, even though they are actually working in an agile way. So usually what we're brought to do is, is, is deliver products and help them with that agile practice so that they can kind of see the full benefits of, of what mm-hmm. agile is for them. Um, we don't really get people saying, come and show us how to do Scrum or something as specific and basic as that now. It's much more organizational problem solving um, where the teams are already operating in some sort of, um, if not an agile framework, then in a fairly agile way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's very interesting that you just uh, mentioned one of the processes as, as Scrum, your background, uh, is, uh, when we spoke um, a few weeks ago. Um, it's really about extreme programming. That's how you came into the into the agile field in the first place, if I remember correctly. How how important is because you are developing things right for for clients in an agile way. How important is extreme programming for you um, and for the clients, and uh, not only for you, but when I say for you, also the the company. Um, I think for us, it's very very important, and and it has been in my career. Um, I think. Um, I've had great success with Scrum and, and using Scrum to improve communication, improve 
how teams organise their work and improve delivery, but not without the technical practices that go with it. So without a good, um, without something like TDD and good test-driven approach, um, without continuous delivery in place, then the, the chances to actually deliver incrementally and do this adapt and learn that I was talking about earlier is quite limited. So, um, so for me, continuous delivery is a sort of key um, key part of that, and the technical practices to enable that without breaking things all the time is is like a prerequisite almost for then having short iterations with actual product delivered at the end. Um, ideally, with most of our teams, we would have delivery happening mm-hmm. throughout the day, all the way through the sprint, so we wouldn't necessarily treat uh, a sprint like a fixed delivery, we would treat it just more like a planning time box. And, and ideally, teams are delivering code um, all through every day. And that's always been the case with my teams that I've worked with, and I, I always felt like without that, we couldn't really be uh, truly agile. And and of course, all those practices come from XP, Extreme Programming, and it feels a bit like the forgotten framework or forgotten methodology to me at times. It feels like everything's about Scrum or about SAFE or about other methodologies, and people don't really talk about XP much. But to me, these are the fundamental practices that... Um, that are needed by a software team. Yeah, they go hand in hand, right? In the, the the reason I'm asking this this question is, from a from a develop if, uh, development consultancy, you're building digital products. Um, I would say you're probably in the in the creation of the product. But what about uh, maintenance of those products? Are you involved in those as well? Because that is really where the quality of the software you guys are uh, creating is very important, right? So. The, the XP practices where, you know, unit tests, for example, continuous integration and so forth. How important is that for building these digital products, especially if you're thinking about a life cycle of a, of a product? Yeah, we do some um, new components that are greenfield and, and brand new and have all of these um, things built in from scratch, which is great. But we most of our work is with large clients, with large PLCs that have lots of existing systems, some legacy, some you know, relatively newer, but, but all um, always, I wouldn't describe it necessarily as maintenance because we're often there to deliver a step change in the technology, but, but always with existing code and existing systems to integrate with. Um, and obviously what we find is that older systems don't have tests built in, don't have good coverage, um, aren't necessarily easy to deploy and do continuous delivery. And, and so that's a challenge. That's something that we always try to improve on whenever we're in a, we're in a client because, um, well, like I was describing before, if you can't deliver frequently, then the ability to actually be agile uh, is not going to be achieved just by layering on uh, the sort of management and team processes. So we do encounter that all the time. Um, we do have to accept, I suppose, that there's a more a heavier amount of manual testing that might have to go on around legacy systems that don't have automated tests. Mm. Um, we do, but then when we when we work with those, we just have to make sure the way, where we integrate with them is very clear and decoupled, and the the stuff that we're building new has all the tests that you would expect. Mm. So we can make sure that integration keeps working even if we're deploying all the time. Right. So um, yeah, we do. So we do we do face that challenge, Joe. None of our clients are, um, you know, all of it. None of our clients are starting afresh. Um, from scratch, they're all building some new things, uh, continuing to build on existing things and always integrating the two. Yeah. Be- beside those things we just talked about, what are the typical 
um, you know, big challenges you, you face working with, with clients, right? So this is why I'm so exciting, excited having you on this, this podcast is because you do take this external view on things and you work with clients um, using an agile process. But what are the challenges uh, you face? Like it's, I just picture media companies. I have worked with media companies. Um, and some of the executive team, they, they might not necessarily care about if this is agile or not agile. They, they just want products to be built. Um, yeah. What are the, the challenges um, you're facing as a, on a typical base here uh, by, with agile in particular, building these products? Um, I think there is something about um, you know, the wider organization and interfacing into parts of the organization that um, are less agile. Could, whether that's other departments um, like finance or, or whatever, or whether or whether it's other areas of technology division where they where they may be working on um, enterprise products that aren't delivered in an agile way, or their packages that are brought in. So there are always these interdependencies with parts of the organisation that don't work in an agile way, and therefore expect different things from an agile team, and maybe getting priorities aligned and and interdependencies connected is all quite difficult. So that's definitely um, one challenge that we see probably in most of our clients because we're all pretty big. Um, but you know, the big, it's not the thing I would say is the biggest challenge. I think um, the biggest challenge is probably humans. Mm. And, uh, we, we put a huge amount of emphasis on the team building aspects of our work. And we, we sort of talk about building great teams, whether that's ours or for our clients. And the, the biggest challenge and the most important part is actually getting people working well together. Um, and obviously some of the Agile techniques help with that um, quite a lot, um, but others is just about good leadership, good facilitation, good team spirit, good mm-hmm. making sure that teams actually do have a shared goal, they're able to focus and, and have all the skills they need to deliver. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the main thing I would say is it's really around um, getting teams of people working brilliantly together is, is the art. Mm-hmm. Which with whichever techniques you bring, there's an art to that, and that's where most of our clients face challenges and where we tend to help. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's it's funny that you're using the word brilliantly here, right? Um, because in, in most of the cases, uh, when I see agile being practiced, is uh, uh, brilliantly would be a very high goal. But I, I love high goals, <laughs> so thanks for that. Um, do you mind uh, just maybe taking on a concrete example of uh, take a success story or like where from from one of the clients you work with you don't, you don't necessarily have to share the name um, but just like maybe point out where's where agile really uh, played a big role in, in one of the success stories uh, you guys had and uh, the touch points of where you feel like the the big value of the process actually uh, shines through um, if you have any of those. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, we have lots of um, successful projects that have been delivered with good products and products that have uh, won awards and team have been very proud of and, and really discovered the product through this incremental delivery. So they were able to, you know, build a product that users loved and, and they got great results um, as a consequence. In terms of kind of people working really brilliantly together, that, that kind of thing, obviously we do transformation work and, clients that come to us with a transformation brief, you know, the idea that they want to get better at Agile, they want the teams to deliver better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd say the usual problem, it's hard to 
generalise, of course, but the usual problem is delivery, is that teams in large organisations find it very difficult to deliver much um, for a very large number of reasons. And and I think what we find, and maybe this will make it a little bit more concrete, is that in order to solve those problems, we need to look not just at um, the way the team is working together and agile methodologies, but we need to look at the whole picture and we'll take a more holistic view. So we would tend to look at um, structure and how the teams are uh, uh, structured and organized. We would look at the, the vision and, and why they want to go agile and what the problems that they're actually trying to solve and what we actually trying to, you know, why are we trying to do this? We look at principles so that way beyond whatever methodologies people are using, what are the principles that are important to the team? Why, you know, this is about getting an alignment on values and um, ideology in a way so that people can actually be pulled in the same direction. And we look at the technology piece specifically and about how to enable continuous delivery. Often that's around getting things into the cloud or getting things properly implemented in the cloud, implementing sort of DevOps practices within the team and um, getting that continuous delivery piece up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also look at leadership and look at the, the sort of style of leadership that then um, is present in a client in order to give the teams the support they need to be successful. And so I think the, the sort of, well, it's hard to be really concrete about a specific client, but I think when we've done transformations that look holistically at all of those different elements, not just at uh, agile methodology, in fact, not even focusing so much on just the agile method, then we see massively more successful results mm-hmm. because um, because it's all of those things together with finding the best people that makes a team deliver really well. And, and Agile seems to be a critical enabler to that. But what you see far too often is people implementing the, the sort of capital A Agile method and forgetting about all the other stuff. All right. So, so what I'm hearing here is full ownership of the, the development and influencing the leadership uh, rather than staffing, right? And, uh, yeah, and, exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we talk about uh, this sort of consulting element, which is around um, providing a kind of advice and guidance and all of these different factors. Mm-hmm. The, the leadership piece, which of course we're really into servant leadership because it really fits well with the agile principles of empowering teams and becoming more and more self-organizing. But still, some leadership is important to solve organizational problems that are beyond the remit of the team. Um, and then the teams themselves and getting them working well together. So I, I think the, the concrete thing for me is, um, is is we have to enter into these things with a with a, like a full slice of the organisation where that influence can be top to bottom and can um, kind of affect all those different aspects, not mm. just the, the way the team works together. Yeah. So with you being exposed to uh, this kind of work and obviously with your... Um, expertise in in agile processes where do you think uh, we are heading maybe in in your world from a consultancy's perspective but also maybe on a more uh, general level where do you think the industry is heading with with agile we've been using processes for quite some time the the ones we've mentioned so far scrum and xp have been around for a long long time uh, but things have changed um, since then and where do you where do you see the future i don't want to go too far ahead but maybe Maybe a year or so. <laughs> uh, where do you, where do you think we're heading with all this? Um, I think we're in a difficult difficult spot right now with sort of the agile community because 
feels like um, for some years it was all uh, small projects, small teams, experience Scrum worked really well, Kanban for teams that maybe a bit further forward. And it was all, it all felt like the heyday, you know, the days when everything was really small and easy and lightweight and, and agile allowed teams to move fast and be really successful. And, and of course, shared success stories. And, and then came this sort of second wave of, okay, how do we scale agile? How do we, uh, I talk a little bit about this, the history in order to talk about the future, but how do we scale agile? So we start to come up with frameworks that work in big companies with many teams with very complex problems and lots of interdependencies and lots of legacy systems with no tests that I can't, so I can't deploy. And then we, we build frameworks that are designed to try and help with all of those problems. And and I think what we then see is many parts of those, I think, are not very agile. Um, they may be more agile for a very large company than they were before. But to me, they don't feel very agile at all. Um, and then as, a, as we see more and more people getting some experience with these uh, methodologies and and, and trying to scale Agile, then we have very many people uh, who now are uh, certified as uh, the Scrum Masters or having another uh, framework, but many more certified people. And it's and the challenge I think we face now, so coming to your question, is it's really hard to find, to know who the good ones are, um, because certification isn't a differentiator. Um, mm-hmm. People have now very different understandings of what it means to be Agile, with a small A, um, be dependent on which environment they're from or which methodology they, they're used to. And then we see um, lots of this kind of fighting about what's the best best method and that kind of thing. So I think we're in a difficult spot now if I think about the next uh, one or two years of Agile because we're in that, um, that zone now where there's a lot of competition between frameworks in a way, and then there's a lot of competition between different people who support um, different frameworks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because it's pretty easy for everybody to say, I'm an agile something, um, how do we know who really knows this stuff? It, it's very, very difficult. So I see it becoming um, increasingly problematic for organizations to, um, to implement agile well. Mm-hmm. As a result, yeah, that's that's a very good example. Are you facing this on on your company side in the in the hiring when you obviously you guys are expanding, or do you see it in more on the client side um, misunderstandings around agile experience level yeah. and so forth? Yeah, it is a challenge definitely. Um, it, it, you know, it was always a challenge finding good technical people with the right technical skills. Um, Anyway, for the for the techies in the team, and now we layer onto that all the plethora of different agile mm-hmm. uh, techniques and, and what they may or may not have experienced or liked. And as I said, it just is increasingly difficult then to um, either find good ones or find people whose values are aligned because they're mm-hmm. actually used to different things. So when it was all XP and Scrum, it was much easier to say, yeah. who are doing Agile are probably doing that, and therefore they already know how to work together. Mm-hmm. Now it's, so, it's becoming more and more diverse. It's, it's a little bit like you have these subgroups where, okay, if I get some safe guys, they're probably not going to want to work with the people who um, are just doing Scrum, and the Scrum people maybe don't understand this other framework someone's proposing. So I don't know if I really answered your question, but I think our challenge in the next year or two is how this fragmentation um, mm-hmm. has caused uh, more challenges with the success of Agile 
uh, rather than less. It's interesting. Uh, it's how interesting. Do we, how do we, you know, maybe in, in business terms, this is, I guess, you ultimately normally see consolidation, don't you? You see this fragmentation happen and then companies consolidate and, and maybe at some level it needs a few things to converge in order to become simpler again. Yeah. Well, sorry about the interrupt here, but I, uh, I do hear you, right? So it's actually ironic, right? Because the, the fragmentation uh, you're, you're discussing, um, like various camps of processes, that was exactly, you know, what we tried to resolve in 2001 with an, a common term, right? And bringing things together under an umbrella term and uh, go more like behavioral of what, what is agile actually is. And now what we're ending up with is various camps. Um, you did you did answer my question and uh, wanted to hear just your your input. And it's very interesting that you um, that you feel this way. I have like two more things I wanted to touch on uh, with you on on this podcast, um, and that is uh, for you as a CEO of a company like this. Um, how does fixed price uh, project work? I think this might be interesting for lots of listeners out there. Um, how does how how does fixed price contracting work for you? Do you do it? Uh, how do you prevent it from happening? Because that is a common challenge for consultancies, I would assume, um, yeah. as well as clients, right? Just the dialogue in these early stages when you're in the bidding process of making sure that well, we're actually an agile shop, uh, but on the other side, there is this protocol of procurement and uh, contracting, which often asks you for fixed price. Yeah. Um it's a great question, Joe. I'm not sure I'm going to give the best answer for everyone, but we don't do it. So we don't do <laughs> fixed price and we don't bid. So we um, so we've avoided the problem completely. Let's say, mm-hmm. but maybe I should talk a little bit about why we don't do it, and maybe of course some of the um, I might help with some of the kind of messaging around why we don't think fixed price is good for anyone. So. Um, so yeah, I think the, the, the first thing to say is if I'm going to fix the price of something, I have to know everything up front. And if I have to know everything up front, I have to do tons of analysis and work to figure out what's needed. Mm-hmm. And of course, without any data or metrics or anything live, then that's all guesswork and will probably be wrong. And because it will probably be wrong, I'm going to have to add a lump of contingency on there and make sure that I can't lose out financially. Which means, by the way, you're going to be paying a load of money for stuff we don't need to do. And maybe the stuff um, that's even the wrong thing because it's in the plan. So we don't think it's good for clients um, to do fixed price. Um, so therefore, we won't do it. And um, and then if we take sort of layer onto that, the thing I talked about at the very beginning about this incremental approach to product development. How are we going to discover what's the right product based on feedback from users and data and all this? You know, all these analytics and data capabilities we now have to understand our users and build the right thing. And yet we're locked into a plan we thought of 12 months ago that we itemized 12 months ago and quoted for 12 months ago. And we're going to be going to help to deliver in that when actually what we discover is maybe the users want something different. So from my point of view, both commercially and in terms of building a right product, the best product for users, uh, fixed price sucks. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to the client. It's an outdated idea and we just don't do it um, and as a consequence really we don't bid because most bids require that require some level of um, prediction about um, exactly what everything is going to involve and even what the product's going to be in, in here um, and not only that they they expect us to do that from a questionnaire yeah. which is clearly not 
humanly possible. So we enter into a bit of a game of <laughs> a bit of a game of um, which is just full of untruths. So, um, yeah. So we have cracked that problem. Uh, we haven't solved that problem. I can't share with the listeners how we solved that problem. I can explain. <laughs> that. We don't engage with that problem. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, no, I, I expected that answer actually from, from you, but I, I wanted to just hear your, your reasoning and uh, yeah. it, it's, it's awesome, right? From, a, from an approach perspective, it just fits um, with the culture of what you're trying to do with these agile projects. I, I have one more uh, quick one here at the end. Um, you work with media companies, you do uh, work with digital products, I would assume some of those clients might be very small, they might be more on a startup uh, kind of environment you have worked with the startups in the past do you have any last minute advice for those startups we touched a little bit on those uh, very complex large programs before but what about startups do you have any kind of advice uh, for them um, using using agile processes I think um, yeah we don't work with startups much to be honest we normally get involved um, with companies that have problems because we come, we, oh yes, we build software, we build teams, build products, but we usually come with a transformation brief as well to help solve organizational problems and, and startups often are too small to have those problems. So we, we don't necessarily end up working with startups, but I think the challenge for a startup with Agile is, is very different. So startups are, are born Agile. It's like everyone's Agile to begin with. They've got no legacy systems, no legacy processes, no big organization to uh, manage and join independent interdependence. Maybe they have their funding already. They're probably not on a fixed price contract. So I think startups kind of have this beautiful green field in a sense, which is why we're also envious of startups. Mm -hmm. I think the challenge for them is, is probably more around discipline and how do you apply like if you take test-driven development and the huge amount of effort it takes to do that well, applying these practices from the start when you're not really sure if you've got a working product, if you're not really sure that your business is going to be viable in the end, everything's going to be you know very time critical because if you don't move fast, you get beaten or you run out of funding. So applying the sort of more disciplined side of Agile, particularly in the technical practices, um, I think is where startups maybe mm -hmm. cut corners and... and and what we see, where, where we see it, is a bit later on. So we see it in the companies that have scaled up. They've done brilliantly well. Their product was a great fit for the market. They've um, got further funding or, or starting to earn good revenue, and they've ramped up their engineering organization. And then we see a, what is now a bigger company, but built on sand, because they didn't build these things into the original solution, and now they're big. Um, and it really hurts because now they can't get anything out the door because there's no test. They didn't know they were going to be successful, so they just didn't build things in a way that scales. So I think that, that what I would say for a startup is really focus on those engineering practices within Agile. Mm -hmm. Because if you are successful and you ramp up, um, it will cost you a huge amount more later um, if you haven't built them in from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So typical. That's Typical growing pains, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's um, it's hard to spend the time on things you may not feel mm -hmm. you, you, know, you may not need. But if you're successful, I think you regret not building the platform um, in the right way. Yeah. Because um, once you're bigger, it's very hard to fix. Yeah. Well, that is uh, an awesome piece of advice, um, Kelly. I spoke with Kelly Waters. 
uh, from 101 Ways out of the UK. Uh, his Twitter handle, if you want to reach out to him, uh, is Kelly underscore Waters. And uh, I just want to thank you for your time. Um, I hope the listeners out there um, got some some really good, valuable input, especially around how a consultancy uh, would approach um, their clients and with agile processes. I just want to thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts on this, Kelly. No problem at all. I hope people find something useful in my comments. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.